Follow me out to desert places Leaving all familiar faces To a land I will show you promise you Lift your eyes and look around you Know my promise will be found true All the land you see Will your children's be all the stars in a big, big sky All the sand in the oceans wide Not out of number Not out of number You and all the people in the big, big world All the nations of the earth They will one 
So here we go. All right, we're going to get started. We're going to pray first, and uh, we'll still have a we'll still have a good time. I'll, all I would ask now is that we just kind of take turns raising our hands and stuff like that. But we can still have a good time. Okay. All right. I enjoy that. But let's pray first. All right, Father. I pray that you would um, just open our eyes to the fact, all of us in this room, to the fact that just this is a gift from you. Just um, we got to sit down here and have donuts and goof off and have a good time and all of this life is just a gift from you undeserved uh, in light of our sin and we thank you for the savior the lord jesus that you sent who you sent that you would save your people from their sins i pray that you would help lord today to guide me there's so much that could be taught and could be said uh, my main desire, Lord, would be that Christ would be lifted up in the eyes and the minds of all these young folks. Lord, thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. All right. So we did end last week. And so now that we're all a little bit more like like we're not as a little bit nervous or whatever it was last week. Who's this guy up here that's talking to us? Now we should get more interaction, right? More interaction. Shouldn't be just Kai answering questions today, right? Okay. Um, so more interaction is what we want. I think, I think we kind of ended looking up some scriptures. We did. I'm not sure how many we got to. Did we, did we read the, we took, okay, and what we were trying to do, I'll tell you what, does anybody remember the last three people who did not get to read theirs? It was Proverbs 12, 15. Yeah? Is that you? Proverbs 12, 15? Oh, oh, you did get to read yours. You didn't get to read yours. Which one did you have? Do you know? I think a Romans 1. Oh, Romans 1, yeah. well, Go ahead and look that back up. And then, does anybody remember who might have had Proverbs 12, 15 and didn't get to read it? Okay, you got a Bible on you? you okay, Proverbs 12, 15. How about, how about uh, Proverbs 21, 2? Did anybody, that was you? Not sure? All right, look, do it. Proverbs 21 2. Proverbs 21 2. Okay? Now, the scriptures that we read up to that point Proverbs 12 15. Proverbs 12 15. All right. And then Romans 1 21 for you, and Ro I mean, uh, pro excuse me. Romans 1 21 for you. Proverbs 21 2 for Holden. Okay. That said, three of you read Genesis 6, 5, Judges 17, 6, and Proverbs 14, 12. And here's the question we're all trying to answer from that, okay? Here's the question I asked you guys. I said, I said, man's natural state, remember how we talked about what man's natural state is? Like, like we talked about when you were little and nobody had to teach you how to lie. Nobody had to teach you how to get mad at your brothers and sisters, right? So your natural state, that the way you were born, okay? Man's natural state, how is it? How does he make decisions? How does he decide what's good and what's bad? Okay? So we're looking at what the Bible tells us, what God's Word tells us about how man decides things. All right? And so when, he, when we finish reading these three scriptures, we all want to understand from the scriptures what the answer is to that. All right? So Proverbs 12, 15. Who has? You are Proverbs 21, 2. You're 12, 15. Yes, sir. All right, nice and loud. Proverbs twelve fifteen. The way of 
Okay, the way of the fool seems right. Seems right to him. The way of the fool seems right to him. Okay? All right. Um, Romans 21, 2. Not Romans uh, 21, 2. I mean, 1, 21, excuse me. 1, 21. Imaginations. Yeah. And their foolish heart was Okay. Empty, vain means empty, futile, hopeless, in their imaginations. Okay. All right. And lastly, all right, we're still finding it. That's all right. You're all right, brother. Hey, listen, you tell, if there's anybody who's like, man, I really don't like to read in front of people, you come tell me later. I won't, I won't, I don't want to ever embarrass anybody. Okay. That's not the point. All right. Do you not like to read in front of people? For real? That is okay, brother. Listen, hey, that is, you know what? Here's, I tell, I've got a son like that, okay? And here's probably, here's potentially the case. Everybody listen to this. He's probably the smartest kid in the room. Okay? All right? So, uh, but anyways, we could talk about that kind of thing another time, but uh, don't feel embarrassed about that, okay? God, the Bible says the rich and the poor meet together. God is the maker of them all. Who made you exactly the way you are? God did. That's right. All right. We dare not ever lift ourselves up against each other. Okay. God's given gifts unto men, and He's given some to others that He has not given to others. All right. So what we'll do is people that like to read out in front in front of people be the people that raise your hand. So who wants to go ahead and just real quick get Proverbs twenty one two for me? Okay. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Okay. All right. Can you put all those together? Of course, we didn't reread the ones we did at the end last time. How does man, in his natural state, okay, how does he make or she make decisions? Yeah? By his own will. By his own will. Okay, you're on the right track. Yeah, what would be another way to say it? By his own thinking. His own thinking. What he wants to do. Okay? Do you think that man could even, and again, whenever I say man, that means Boys and girls, men and women, all right? Just a general term. Do you think that man um, could think he is actually doing what's right and still be not right? Okay, of course he can. Do you think he could even think that he is um, serving God somehow in what he's doing? Okay, now, it's easy for us all to acknowledge that. Now, take a minute to be serious for a second and think about your own heart. Can your own heart, even church kids, be deceived into thinking that they are doing what is good, what is right, what is godly, what is, uh, what, is what God wants them to do, and actually be doing what is not right? Yeah. Anybody remember a character in church history? That's in the Bible. Named Saul. Not King Saul, but Saul, who later became Paul. What, what, before God knocked Saul off his horse and blinded him, who did Saul think he was working for? God. He was working for God, didn't he? Yeah. He was serious about it. He thought he was serving God. 
He was doing that which was right in his own eyes. Okay, how is that then important in church history? Well, the reason I wanted to make sure you guys understand that is because if we come at any subject, and if you come at any subject in the rest of your life from your own wisdom, your own thinking, what I think is good, what I think is right, there's a real danger, okay? So what do we need? We need God's Word. We need God's Word on it, okay? Well, does God give us a word on church history? Because we're going to study stuff that happened in 300 B.C. or 300 A.D. and, and um, 1200 and 1600. The, uh, is the Bible still recording history for us in 1600? Mm, not, not written history, okay? Um, so how do we evaluate? How are we going to evaluate the things that we're going to study, the people, the characters, the things that happened, the different... Um, break-offs of churches. How are we going to look at it? We have to look at it through the lens of God's Word, of, of where we know truth to be found. All right, now here's where it's going to get good. Today actually could be, I want it to be, the most important class all year long because what we're going to learn is how to evaluate and how to look through the lens of the Bible's history, and every other history that we will ever study, that you will ever study, okay? The things that are happening in the world now, how do we look at them? We, we must look at them through the lens of Bible history, okay? So do you remember last week when I said, you know, what if somebody asked you, what is the Bible about? What's the Bible about? All right? Well, let me ask you another similar question today, okay? Somebody tell me, a Bible story. Somebody tell me a Bible story and then what the application is, like what, what's the point? Who wants to do that? Somebody tell me, and you can be really simple and childish about it, like you're telling a, a three-year-old. Somebody tell me a Bible story and then the point of it. All right, I knew Kyle was going to be first, but I'm fine with that. But somebody else be thinking because I want two answers. All right, go ahead. Okay. The when I think about it, the application is that God can do all things. Okay. All right. So Moses parted the Red Sea, and the application is God can do all things. Now, I'm going to I'm going to flesh that out even more for you today. Not just that story, but do you know? First of all, do you know how that story that you just told me fits in the entire big story? of the Bible. Got any ideas? It's okay, I put you on the spot. All right, we'll come back to that. All right, who else? Did I see you? Were you the other Bible storyteller? All right. Um, I just remember, uh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> spit it out, spit it out. <laughs> Uh -huh. The point was that he was obeying God. Okay, so Noah built the ark. The point was that he was he obeying God. Everyone. All right, we are going to reference that story again here today. And how does that fit in the big story of the Bible? I guess it's people obeying God. Okay, people obeying God. All right. 
I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you both. Your applications are correct, but they are not the, the application. Okay. In other words, it's true that Noah obeyed God and that we should obey God. Okay. It's true that God can do all things. Okay. Now, what if somebody has cancer and they're going to die? Okay. Can God, can, can God heal them? Can God also not heal them? If they don't get healed, does that mean God didn't, uh, couldn't do all things? Does that mean there was something wrong with that person and maybe their faith wasn't strong? Is that possible? No. No. I'm telling you the answer now because I don't want you to think wrong about that. So we're going to look at how all these stories have to do with the bigger story. But yes, sir, I'm curious what you were going to say. Moses and the burning bush. All right, so what's the, what's the story or the application that you would, would, um, would give them? Going to talk to God. Okay. 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 All right, we should talk to God. All right. All right, yes, last one. Yeah. Um, when, I don't remember which chapter it was, they built the altar and they put the water in it. Okay. And he said, if my God is real, he will take all the water out of the field. And then God did. Yeah. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Or was it Elisha? <laughs> I always forget which one. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, now here's, here's what I, today I want to help you all, okay, with the big picture, the big story, and how all of these stories should actually come under the big story and the application of all of them is actually always the same. Always the same. Okay? And so, we're, and then through teaching you this Bible history, all in one big clump, through teaching you this Bible history, then you'll be able to, as we look at characters and different th events in church history, you'll be able to evaluate them through the lens of this grander story that God is doing. Okay? So let me find my right place in my notes and we'll get at it. Okay? So here's, here's what I would tell you. Church history, church history is a story of God's people. God's chosen people. God's called out people. God's assembly of people. Okay? And we'll dive into the word church again later. But I want to, this story will shed light on that. Uh, you could even put it this way, God's clothed ones. What would I be talking about? We'll get to that. Um, a people who have been paid for, bought, bought by a most expensive price. The blood of the Lamb of God, okay? So where the story begin. Did anybody do chapter content this week? It's okay if you didn't. We're not talked about the idea of going through. Okay, so did you start in Genesis? Yes. Okay. So Genesis 1. What's Genesis 1? God created the heavens and the earth, right? And, um, and it goes through the days of creation and then, and, and what was the what was the description that God gave of each Thing that he created. Yep. That it, was good. it was good. Perfect. Perfect. Good. Now, 
So we can put it this way. I'm going to tell it almost like I'm telling a, a young toddler, okay? Like once upon a time, right? Once upon a time, God created, right? Man in his own image. Now, what does that mean? I'm going to pause just for a second. Have you ever heard people talk about God, man being created in God's image and you kind of like, what, what does that mean? Because you know there's some guys on television that will tell you, that means you're little gods. There's a whole lot of guys on television that will tell you that. What? There, okay, here, you're, you're on the right track. Here's, here's maybe a way that you can understand it. If, if you were on the way here this morning, in fact, this may have even happened to some of you. Did anybody see a dead animal on the side of the road on the way here this morning? Two of you? Okay. But that's a frequent occurrence, isn't it? How many of you, when you drive past an, uh, an, a deer on the side of the road, how many of you stop and call 911 and then try to do mouth to mouth? Nobody does that. Nobody does that. Okay. Now you might be. I mean, I know some of you girls, especially you're still. You're like, oh, right. But but you still. Nobody's. Uh, nobody. Okay, maybe a little dog or a little cat. You might do that, right? But. I would throw a cat back in the road. I would do it. Okay. Throw the cat back in the road. All right. Now here's the point, though. Here's the point, though. And think about this realistically. You're on the way here this morning. And you're like, Mom, I'm pretty sure I just saw, like, somebody's feet in the grass. Like, they're laying on the side of the road. Okay, like, all right, what would your mom, what would your mom or your dad, what would they do immediately? Call 911. Well, they would stop. They would stop and they would think you're, they think you might be crazy. But they'd stop and they'd turn around and they'd go back. And it, and it, and it is. You can't turn around. You're on the highway. So, so do you do like it was a deer? No. And be like, and be like, and just keep on going? And be like, well, the road crew will get that later. Is that what you do? No. No, you call 911 and you and you run over there and you see if maybe they're still breathing and you see if, if anybody knows how to do CPR or life-saving things or if he's bleeding, you try to, right? What if he's just the why, 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 for, why for the man? Why for the man and not for the deer? Because even if, even if you, now, do, do you think that that's even the case? Yeah, do you think that that's even the case with... We're made in God's image, and they are not. You got it. Okay, we're made in God's image. Well, house, we can't yep. really stop it. They're all creepos. None of them are in danger. Right, right. They're already coming to our house. I seen a turtle yeah. uh, on the side of the road one day, and I was, my, I was literally about to go pick it up. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's fine, but, but what would be, hey, what would be the difference? What, here, here's another example about the image of God. All right, turtles crossing the road. You have a chance to stop, and you take that turtle and you go set him in the grass, right? Okay. Let's let's say you're you're going 60 miles an hour, and all of a sudden you see a little a little one year old crossing the, crossing the side of the road, huh? What do you do then? You go to, you take that little one year old and you go now you set him back over on the side. Is that what you do? Little one year old toddler. Okay, right, right. Because why? Because why? Made in the image of God. There's something special, right, about us, isn't there? Yeah. All right. Something special about us. Now we've got to keep. We've got to keep going. We're not going to get through this story because it's going to go. I mean, I'm going to go fast as lightning once I get started. All right. So, Adam and Eve, created in the image of God, walking with God, fellowship with God. That is the 
best life, the perfect life, the good. Remember, he described everything as good, as the, the good life, so to speak, to walk with God, to have fellowship with God, to be, to be walking in obedience to God. God gave them uh, tasks to perform in the garden, and they were doing these tasks with joy and obedience to God, but God told them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan came along as a serpent, disguised, and said, look, if you'll, if you'll just eat this, you'll be like God. You'll be like God. He does, he's keeping something from you. He, you'll get to know good and evil. That means you get to decide for yourself what is good and what is bad. Does that sound familiar? All those scriptures that we just listened to? Now we do, sadly, decide for ourselves what is good and evil because we're in Adam and Adam disobeyed. Adam disobeyed God. Now God had promised that in the day that him and Eve would eat of that tree, they would surely die. So Adam and Eve ate. Did they fall over dead? But immediately they knew that they had sinned against God, that something evil was here now even in them, and they, and, and they even knew it by their own nakedness, okay? Before sin, before sin, there was no shame. There was no evil thoughts and evil desires. Now they, they were exposed and they knew, okay, we've got to hide. God's going to see God's going to see what we've done. And so they try to hide and they try to make for themselves a covering, right? They try to hide their sin. They try to hide it. They make clothes out of fig leaves, right? Now again, as they're hiding and God confronts them in their sin, what do you think that they were expecting to happen any moment? Die. Die. Think they were terrified? Yes, rightly so. They should have been before a holy God in whom there is no sin, but God. The Bible will say that phrase over and over, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, has made us alive together with him. What did God do for Adam and Eve? He had mercy and he made a great, or some terrible curses on them first. They, he, he kicked them out of that paradise, the garden. And he pronounced curses on them that we live with to this day. Toil and labor that is filled with hardship and heartache. Even the wonderful thing of childbirth comes with heartache and pain and sometimes death and always finally sickness and disease that will get all of us in some way. But the same time God made a wonderful promise to Adam and Eve. Anybody know what that promise was and is? Because this is very important in church history. What promise did he make them? Anybody know? Yeah. Where did he make that promise? That he would send a Savior. Good answer. Anybody know where the promise is? Oh, even before the ark. How about this? Anybody recognize this mysterious verse? Genesis 3, 15, right after they had sinned and God had confronted them in their sin. He made a promise to Satan that ultimately is a promise to us. Genesis 3, 15, if anybody wants to see it. And I will put enmity. Oh, did you think of it all of a sudden? I will put enmity. All right, he's speaking to Satan. 
I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed, Satan, and her seed. God promised that there would always be a war, always be a war between Satan and God, between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Now, what's so miraculous that he just, think about Adam and Eve, what they were expecting to happen to them. What's so miraculous about God's promise here to the woman? What is she expecting to happen to her? But now God just promised to Satan that her seed, son, or a son of a son of a son, but a son is going to crush Satan's head. Hey, mercy? She's going to get to live and have a son. And not only that, a son that ultimately would deliver man from their new master, their slave master, Satan. Okay, how could that be? God had promised death. So if God had promised death for disobedience, isn't death the penalty for disobedience? Did God just say, well, I changed my mind. I'm not going to, there's no, uh, nah. I, I'm, there's no death for they'll disobedience. Okay, they'll die sometime, but look at Genesis 3, I think it's 21. Look at Genesis 3, 21. All right, read that one then, Kaya. Lord God made coats of skins for Adam and his wife and clothed them. What? See, we read through that and we've all been in Sunday school and we don't think about what really the intensity of what's really going on. That was the first time what had happened. Death. Actual death. For God to clothe them, to take away the clothes that they made, that was the first time what had happened. Bloodshed. Violence, violence and bloodshed. God killed an innocent animal, probably a lamb, as we'll see later through the scriptures, in their place. And then he clothed them, right, in the skin of that animal. You know what? That was a, that was a precursor. That was a pointing to what God ultimately would do in Christ the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. For sin, for sin and shame to be covered, to be taken care of, to be paid for, blood has to be shed. Ultimately, the blood of one who is innocent, who has not sinned. And not only that, God has to do the covering. See, listen, and this is really important. Most of, <clears throat> most of man's religious efforts, remember man does that which is right in his own eyes, even in relation to God. Most of man's efforts, whether it's the church that they go to, the clubs that they belong to, the good things that they do, are just like Adam and Eve's fig leaves. Think about it. Just like Adam and Eve's fig leaves. Man knows he is deserving of death. And that death is looming and death is c coming for him. And he tries to cover it up with face mat. I mean, fig leaves. Okay. And vaccine, I mean, fig leaves. He tries, to, he tries to get away from death with his own 
ideas, his own efforts, his own salvation for himself. He tries to save himself from death. But only God saves, and he saves through the blood of the innocent Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, I promise this has a lot to do with church history because every time we look at a church history story coming down the road, we're going to look at it through remembering this, okay? So God made a great promise that there would be a deliverer, okay? Now, though, by nature, what were Adam and Eve like and all of their sons and daughters of who we are descended? Every one of us in this room from Adam and Eve. Adam as our, what we call, federal head, our representative. So what were they like now? Well, let me read some descriptions to you. Hebrew, out of Hebrews 2.15, tells us that through fear of death, man is subject to slavery all their lives. Slaves of sin. Through fear of death. At, just like Adam and Eve hiding there in the garden, man is a slave all of his life. How about this? A whole bunch of terrible description of who man is in Romans 1, 21 through 31. I'm going to break them down, okay? Romans 1, if you want to just jot the scripture down, that's fine. Romans 1, 21 through 32, actually. Here is the description of Adam and Eve and all who are in them, who are in him who are in Adam, who are descendants of Adam. Here's, here's what we are. Suppressors of truth in unrighteousness. Suppressors, that means we push truth away because we love sin. Here's what else they are. Futile speculators making up their own truth. All those scriptures we read in Genesis, Proverbs, and Romans about man doing that which is right in his own eyes, that's what Adam and Eve became that day, and that's what we are in, in them. Here's, a, here's what else. Darkened hearts. They have darkened hearts. Here's what else they were. They thought themselves wise, but they were fools. Here's what else they were. Would do, were. They would now exchange the glory of God. Remember everything that He created good? They would exchange the glory of God for things and ideas that are not God's. And they're now given over to, to the desires or lusts of their own hearts which will lead them to all kinds of impurity. They would dishonor their bodies, given and created by God, among themselves. They would exchange the truth of God for lies, and it will lead to worship of the created things, rather than the Creator. They would worship things rather than the Creator, or this worship would lead them to degrading desires, even rejecting the husband and wife relationship created by God, leading to wicked things like homosexuality and all kinds of other similar wicked things. Okay? They would be given over to degrading passions. In other words, things that, that they pursue and go after and, and, and desire so badly that are actually things that degrade them, degrade their bodies, just turn them into almost like animals. They're given over to degrading passions and they have depraved minds. Now, if anybody thinks that, well, this hadn't quite described me yet, well, listen to this list. F 
filled with unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slander, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Some of you thought, I'm, I'm feeling good, I'm good, I'm good. All of a sudden it says, disobedient to parents. Without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. They would know these things. Now here's the other thing. After it describes all this, it says that they would know these things are worthy of death and do them anyway. And give hearty approval, give approval to other people who do, do those things. Now, did you know, and this is more church history, did you know the chapters and verses and all that is something that we added in later? Did you know that? To make it easier for us to find things. All right? But the Bible was not originally written and recorded that way. And so there's some, some problems that that causes. And here's the problem that that causes. I was just describing to you from Romans 1, 21 through 32, what man is. And they made a chapter division here in a terrible place. After verse 32, and then all of a sudden, there's a new chapter, Romans 2. Well, it's not a good place for a chapter division. You know why? Because we like to read that list and excuse ourselves from it and say, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... That's those really bad people out there. Yep, yep, we know who they are. The Democrats, Joe Biden, they're, they're all real bad. Yep, yep, they're so bad. Yep, that sounds like it describes them. Well, here's why the chapter division should not be there. Because it continues to describe who we are in chapter 2, verse 1. It says, you are inexcusable, O man, who judges another and does the same things. So here's what else Adam and Eve became that day. And here's what we became in them that day. We became all those things, but we don't like to admit it and see it. Instead, we judge others while doing those same things. While doing those same things. And so that is the description of Adam and Eve that day as they fell in the garden and the description of you. So God kicked them out of the garden with curses right, that would remain on earth, but God made a promise for a deliverer. Now, after that day, things got worse, and here we're going to fly for the last 10 minutes through some more Bible history, and I want you, by the end of this, to see how the story of Moses, how the story of, how the story of Noah, how the story of Elijah fits into all of this and should not be separated out into little micro stories where we make little lessons from. Instead, it's a much bigger and more important lesson. Okay? So God kicked them out. Things got worse. Man lived according to his own thoughts and desires. What's one of the first stories that comes up if you're going to read through Genesis that shows how bad it has gotten? Cain and Abel. Good job. Cain and Abel, Genesis 4, right? Now, I want you to take note. Everybody knows the story. But Cain, Cain was religious. He believed in God. Did they not both bring sacrifices to God? But Cain 
did not have his heart opened by God to understand the, the deadly and bloody sacrifice that must be made for sin. So he, just like Adam and Eve, remember their fig leaves? Cain did the same thing. He, he, he brought of his own hands. Here, God, look what I've done for you. Abel, God had shown him, there's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. The only hope is a substitute in your place. A substitute. The blood. And so Cain did what Cain's always will do. And that is murder Abel's. And that's been the history of the world ever since. Those who are in Christ, who no longer trust in their own works of righteousness, and they proclaim Christ alone, they are hated by the religious, by men who think that they are doing God's bidding. And so Cain killed his brother. Things got worse. Now, it got so bad that every man was doing whatever was right in his own eyes. Just like we just described in Romans 1. Just like our world is today. Just like it has always been. How many of you here, grown-ups right now, talk about how bad things have gotten? They've been that bad. They've been that bad. Remember, I just read Romans 1. That's been who we have been ever since the garden. Okay? But there's one man who God showed favor to. Because God said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to destroy. The, all man is doing that whatever is right in his own eyes, I'm going to wipe them all out. But one man <clears throat> found favor, or the word could also be grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amazing grace. That God would take a sinner in Adam, who is just like this list that we described, and say, but I'm going to rescue you and your wife and your three sons and their three wives. And we, you know the story. Yes, and you know the story. So now we know that the story of Noah is not for us to pluck out of its context and figure out moral lessons that we need to learn. It's God continuing to keep His promise to the woman to Satan, that from the woman would come a rescuer, a deliverer. Is it Noah? Is it Noah? As we're watching this story transpire, we might think it could be. But after God saves Noah and his family from destruction, we find that Noah is, it kind of blows our mind, drunk and naked in his home. That's the last time we see Noah. He's not the deliverer. All we know now about God having saved Noah is that God is merciful to sinners. Right? That's a true story about Noah. Go read it. Noah's not the hero. God is the hero because he rescues bad people. Right? So then we keep going. God is keeping His promises. He always keeps His promises. But Noah was too much like the first Adam. Noah was too much like the first Adam. Every one of Noah's sons was cursed, just like back in the garden. History, history 
is repeating itself. It is again right now, except there's a new piece, very important piece that I'm afraid we're not going to get to. Remember the Romans 1 description of man? Don't forget. Now, having multiplied all over the earth, okay, so Noah's family was saved, and they began to obey God again and multiply and fill up the earth. And so this time, man learned his lesson, right? Man learned his lesson this time. Is that correct? All right, I'm putting some of y'all to sleep. I'm sorry, I must be getting boring. But did man learn his lesson this time? He did. Trick question. Trick question. Because remember Romans 1, remember Romans 1, what is the heart of all man in Adam? Doing that which is right in his own eyes. So what do you think man began to do? Again, that which is right in his own eyes. And this time they all came together and said, let's make a name for ourselves. In other words, basically a big one world religion where we make God out to be like we like him to be. And we'll build this tower to the heavens. And God kept His promise represented by the rainbow in the sky. And He didn't wipe them out with a flood this time. But in mercy, He confused their languages and sent them all over. Now, things still aren't going very well. We're still hoping in this promise. Here's what I want if we don't have time to finish today. I'm gonna, I'll finish it next week. But here's what I want. I want you to think about that promise in Genesis 3.15 every time you hear the Bible taught and preached. Because here's, here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. You can, there, there's everybody, there's sermons all over the place now. There's internet ministries and pastors of all stripes and all kinds. And here's what 99% of it is. Is Here's a Bible story, now let me give you a lesson. Here's a Bible story, now let me give you a lesson. Here's a Bible story, now give you, give you a lesson. And that lesson is, do better, be better. Um, cover yourselves up with the, these fig leaves that I have given you. I, here is a book, 10 ways to be a better husband, 10 ways to be a better wife, 12 ways to be a better student. Fig leaves, fig leaves, fig leaves, fig leaves. Cover yourself up with your own self-righteousness. Most of the preaching and teaching out there is abusing the Bible that way and it's plucking out stories and not looking at the one grand and great story, the promised deliverer who God is going to send. Okay? Things getting worse. So man multiplied all over the face of the earth. God, uh, God or, and then they came together and God split them back up. Now, who's next? Abraham, Abraham, such a good man out there, such a good, a good moon worshiper. Yeah, such a good moon worshiper he was. Yeah, that's what Abraham was. And God said, you're mine, come with me. I've got great promises for you. God saves sinners, not good people. And so he promised Abraham, to bless Abraham and everyone who blesses Abraham. To curse Abraham and everyone who curses Abraham. He promised him a land. He promised him a child. He promised to make him a father of a great nation. And that all nations would be blessed through him. All the blessings of Adam and Eve, remember in the garden. He promised Abraham. He promised Abraham. The best part, 
better, better this time. God was going to do all of the promise keeping this time to make sure Abraham gets the blessing. Did God want to bless Abraham because he was such a great guy? No. no. In fact, we'll follow the life of Abraham. We'll see that he, like you, he, like me, was a liar. Told a lot of lies. Did you know that? Told a lot of lies. He was kind of a, a chicken. He was, so, he was so afraid and wanted to protect his own skin that he was willing to risk telling a lie that would, if the lie worked, it would get his wife captured as a slave of another of the Egyptians because he was pretty sure he needed to help God keep his promise and stay alive so that he would have this son. See, this surely couldn't be the deliverer promised in Genesis 3.15. God was being merciful here, saving another of his children, but God is doing all of the promise keeping. All of the promise keeping. And then we know that God kept His promise when Abraham was old and gave him a son named Isaac, right? God gave him a son, good job, gave him a son named Isaac. And even God tested Abraham's faith by commanding him to sacrifice Isaac, right? And helping Abraham see that it was God who was going to do all of the promise keeping, God who was going to provide the sacrifice, God taking care of the rescuing and the ultimate sacrifice. And then we have Isaac. Did you know he did the same thing his dad did? Told lies to protect his own skin that put his own wife at risk. So he's a sinner too. He's a liar too. He's not the deliverer, is he? Then through Isaac come two sons and God chooses one son to get the blessing that he promised Abraham. One son over the other son. Why? Because God gets to decide. That's why. God gets to decide. Who did he choose? He chose Jacob. He chose Jacob. He chose Jacob. He chose Jacob because Jacob was such a good guy, right? I'm always asking y'all trick questions. No. Jacob was a deceiver, a trickster, a liar. But God chose to keep His promises through yet another sinful man. And we're about halfway through the story, but the story is always pointing. It's pointing, there's one coming, there's one coming, there's one coming, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Every story in the Bible, the Moses story, the Noah story, the Elijah story, Always think back to what happened in the garden and what man became that day and the promise that God made that day <clears throat> to rescue. Because once we finish the whole story, just zipping through the Bible, we'll get into some characters in church history and we'll now be able to evaluate according to God's grander story. We'll be able to evaluate these things. Otherwise, what we'll... What we'll will do is we'll start being fig leaf examiners. Okay, as we read through church history and we'll go, we'll go, yeah, that guy seemed better than that guy. And that guy seemed better than, no, he seemed, eh, he seemed pretty bad. And, and, and she was, well, I don't know. And, and we began looking at the outward fig leaves that people were covered in. Instead of seeing who it is that God has rescued by His blood and clothed them in His 
righteousness. All right? So my desire for us all in church history is that ultimately, at the end of all this, everyone understands the gospel in a better and greater and more complete way through looking at the entirety of the Bible, learning how to read the Bible as one big story, because it is. All right, well, let's pray. Father, please open eyes and hearts. Help us, Lord, help me. I'm weak, and I need a Savior. I need Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thank you for sending such a great salvation to us. I pray that everyone in this room would, Lord, if anyone is yet clothed in fig leaves of effort to save themselves, to rescue themselves, they would see the bigger story of God doing all of the promise keeping, all of the work to save them by the precious blood of His Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen.